How do you get companies to support your adventures? Some expeditions are prohibitively expensive. The only realistic option for most of us who want to cross an ocean or trek to the poles is to persuade a company to finance the trip in return for publicity, motivating their staff, or product testing. Whilst finding a sponsor for an adventure sounds like heaven, there are several caveats worth bearing in mind before getting too excited. First, you will relinquish some of the freedom that all good adventures have. Second, you may lose some control of your plans and storytelling voice. Third, the pursuit of sponsors may lead to delays in beginning your journey. Above all, it's tough to persuade a company to pay for your adventure of a lifetime. The odds are stacked against you. So do you really need sponsors? Can you come up with a more affordable and equally captivating idea? Must you have the most up-to-date equipment? Buying cheap stuff on eBay might be easier than being rejected by a hundred companies. Rather than all the stress, slog, disappointment and loss of self-respect that goes into chasing sponsors, could you just stay in your job for a bit longer and save up your own money? Put £20 aside every week over a year of planning and by the time you're organised, fit and free of commitments, you will have saved enough to cycle thousands of miles and have a grand adventure. If you are willing to travel more frugally, your money will take you further. Halve your daily expenditure and double the duration of your expedition. Having failed to find a financial sponsor myself, I didn't have enough money to cycle around the world when I set off, but I was reluctant to delay. So I just slept wild in my tent, lived off banana sandwiches and eked out my money to make it last. Finding sponsors is not easy. One letter that I wrote to a company before I cycled around the world came back with this response. Do you really think we just got off the banana boat? Riding a bicycle round the world? If you want a bike, why not get a job like everybody else? Nobody is going to fall for such a ridiculous suggestion. But let's assume that my bucket of well-meaning cold water has not extinguished your enthusiasm. What are the next steps to take? Most of the same principles apply whether you are after expedition funding or a partnership ambassador role. You will have to sell yourself. Loads of folk are planning fascinating journeys and asking for similar things. No company is going to come knocking on your door begging to give you money and shiny equipment. So what can you offer them in return for their support? First of all, come up with a plan that gets you very excited. So excited that you want to start right this minute. Now go for a long run with your pessimist's hat on. What's wrong with your plan? What are the risks, pitfalls and hurdles? All good adventure plans are simple. Can you explain it in just a few sentences? It is always evident in my talks that the audience is more interested in simple A to B projects than convoluted ventures. Occam's razor is usually right. So much has already been done that it is very difficult to persuade a sponsor that your plans are sufficiently different to stand out. Sponsors won't care if you plan to walk 1,000 miles on broken glass in your underpants if a celebrity has already done that for two minutes on TV. It's all the same to most people. Nobody cares about the small details of your adventure in the way that you do. 
You need to be original without selling out or becoming a silly gimmick. Integrity is worth more than sponsorship. You need to big up the thrills for your audience and simultaneously downplay the risks. Don't lie about anything, but think creatively about how you can tell your story. Don't offer more than you will be able to deliver. Promise low, deliver high. You're trying to persuade somebody to pay you to go away and do the most exciting thing you have ever done. Why should they? What will you provide in return for their support? Why are you and your adventure different to all the others? What is your clear and unique selling point? This question is vital and you need to be able to answer it in a single sentence, a single page and eventually in a long conversation with a prospective sponsor. Why should they care? Local companies are likely to be satisfied with some press coverage of your adventure and local newspapers are always desperate for stories. So this is probably your easiest opening gambit. Niche product suppliers will be interested in you testing their gear to destruction and writing on your blog for others with similar interests. Publicity is like oxygen for most sponsors. So get up on the rooftops, which means page one of Google, and start hollering. Make your requests personal and specific. What exactly do you need and why? Build your reputation up from the bottom. Getting sponsored kit is relatively achievable and realistic. Getting cash is much, much harder. I failed to find anyone to support my 46,000 mile ride around the planet with money or even a bicycle. All I managed to source were water bottles, shoes, trousers, two pairs of socks and a free penknife. I loved that penknife. Start your quest for sponsorship through your network of family, neighbours, colleagues, classmates, friends and friends of friends. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Sad, but true. Don't get a chip on your shoulder if you don't know anyone suitable. Most people have no valuable connections or contacts when they begin. Do interesting stuff. Make yourself more interesting. Think laterally. Search more widely. Get out there and meet people. Your network is your net worth, remember, and by far your best opportunity to get in touch with the person who holds the purse strings in the company you're targeting. When drawing up a list of businesses to contact, think laterally. How many sponsorship requests for climbing expeditions must the North Face receive? The young Bear Grylls was on the right lines when he dropped off his proposal for an Everest climb at a random company called Davis Langdon and Everest purely because of the company's name. They bit, he summited. Whilst a personal connection is best, a specific email to the right person, rather than the generic info at brand.com address, this is your second best option and the approach you'll need to go for most of the time. Save yourself a lot of time and effort. Cold calling and spam emailing random companies does not work. Social media is not a bad third option for getting a brand to notice you and answer your inquiry. Look for where they connect with their audience online, study how they interact and what they respond to, then send them a carefully worded message. However you get in touch with someone, do your best to write correctly. Write individual emails rather than launching bulk email grenades. Put your apostrophes in the right place. 
spell names correctly, use pro writing aid to help you with the grammar and the spelling. We're not all poets, but we've all got spell checkers. Like so much of this, it's not about spelling. It's about effort and dedication and attitude. Outline who you are, what you're doing and why the company would benefit from partnering with you. You need to be able to get someone excited about your trip very quickly. This person has many emails to deal with and they probably receive a fair few just like yours. Master your elevator pitch, how you describe your adventure to Elon Musk if you found yourself in a lift with him. Save the eye-watering details of how much loot you're after for a second conversation. Your main aim with your first contact should be to secure a second conversation, nothing more. Don't expect an immediate reply from busy people, but do follow up if you've not had a response in a couple of weeks. Pester away, but don't be a pest. When you finally secure a face-to-face -face meeting, you can then play the trump card of turning up with a big map. It never fails to impress and makes your appointments stand out from their routine daily business. Bring the excitement of your adventure into the office. I once arrived at my publishers labouring beneath a vast rucksack stuffed with all my camping gear and a pack raft as I was due to catch a train to Scotland later that day. Years later, the publisher still chuckles about that and tells the tale in every meeting we have. As with every meeting in life, do not be late. I've had a couple of important meetings where I was so determined to be punctual that I actually did a test run of the trains and underground the week before, just to make sure. You might settle for arriving a couple of hours early, scoping out the venue, then going to a cafe, not a pub, to practice your pitch and soothe your nerves. I wish you well in the quest for funding support. It is an aspect of my working life that I dislike and I'm not good at it. I hope you have more success than me. However, do continue to remind yourself of why you began all this in the first place. Was it to faff around with website redesign, schmooze with potential sponsors and edit spreadsheets? Or was it to get out there, feel alive and do something to make you proud? If all else fails, get a job and buy the stuff you need second hand. If you can't afford your idea, do something cheaper. Save up, sell everything you don't need, most of your stuff, get on your bike and pedal away into the sunset. Don't allow searching for sponsors to be an excuse for delay or procrastination. Quick question, what have you identified as the biggest challenges in promoting an adventurous lifestyle? When trying to evangelise about why someone should try their first micro-adventure, I focus on promoting the idea that doing a little is better than nothing and that little spare time does not mean zero spare time. I try to emphasise all the good aspects of what might happen rather than getting hung up on one overhyped worry, monsters, the cold, sheep, etc. These seem to address the major objections people raise to the idea of an adventurous lifestyle. 